The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. house praise the Lord good morning everybody say good morning to your neighbor with a smile say good morning say good morning to another person with a smile okay so last week we started a new series called choosing your future choosing your future and we looked at choosing the right values. And yes, we said that without the right values, you cannot have the right future. And all that was explained and unpacked. If you missed last week, you want to listen to the message online or, or download it for free. You know, but today, we are diving deeper. And next week, by the grace of God, we are going to dive deeper still. 15th of March already. We are in the middle of March. The third month of the year is about to wind up. And we explained from last week that it's like having multiple doors in front of you. Having the right values will help you choose the right door. However, having the right guide, having the right guide will see you through what is behind on the other side. Because behind the door is a totally new and different city, if you will. Different life, different opportunities, different challenges. And like life, we need a guide when we get to a, a new city. I don't, I don't know about you if, you. if you go to a new city, you have four options, really. If you, go, if you travel to a new city, you've never been to a new city before, but you travel to a new city, you land in a new city, you have four options. The first option is you could just walk around. And if you had a car, just take a drive. You're going to see new things. You're going to experience the city somewhat. But... That is a limited way of navigating a new city. Another option is to get a map. When, when you get a map, you can see how to get to where. 
you will do better than just driving or walking by yourself when you have a map. But to go further is to have a guidebook, the city's guidebook that will list all the restaurants, all the shopping malls, where you can get discounts and all that and all that, where the beaches are, you know, where the churches are and all that and all that and all that. So with the, with the guidebook, you can get much more from the city. Now, beyond just taking a walk by yourself or getting a map and reading a map or using a guidebook is actually having a tour guide. If you have a city guide, a personal guide, someone that will take your hand, maybe not literally, but go with you, point you to the cities, tell you the history of the cities, tell you the stories behind every monument, and show you the different nooks and crannies of the city, you will get maximum value of your visit if you have a guide. The same is true with life. Every time you walk through a door, every time you tackle a new year, every time you tackle a new decade, this is a new decade, it's a decade of light. The lights have come on, you've chosen the door, you are moving through it, you need a guide. You need a guide, I need a guide. We don't just need a guide, we need the right guide. We need the right guide. For some people, they choose different kind of guides. You can also choose different kind of guides. I, I have options of choosing different kind of guides. Some choose super bloggers as their guides. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't need to mention any blogger's name. There is someone, uh, some bloggers in, um, in the world, particularly in, this, in Nigeria where, where we are, you know, that certain ladies don't make certain decisions of their lives without looking at what the bloggers have to say about it. It is so pathetic that, well, that's the path they've chosen, that the bloggers will be the guide of their life. The hairstyle they do, the place they aspire to live in. Oh, the, the bloggers live in Banana Island. They aspire to live there. The kind of life they live, they, you know, they try to use the bloggers as their guide. Unfortunately, even how they worship God, they follow the bloggers' directives on how to worship God. If the blogger says, you, can't, you shouldn't be going to church every Sunday, they feel, yeah, you shouldn't be going to church every Sunday. If the bloggers feel, oh, you shouldn't pay tight, oh, they say, oh, yeah, 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 you shouldn't pay tight. If the, if the blogger says, oh, you don't need to close your eyes and pick a fool of yourself when you're worshiping God, you can worship God from your heart, you don't need to sweat or to, you know, nobody says you, you need to sweat, right? But if the, if the blogger says that, oh, you don't need to kneel down or anything, they, they take it as gospel. Yet for some people, it's social media influencers. That is their guide. That is their guide to life. They look to celebrities for their guide. They are having um, um, a, a skin peeling, or what was that thing called? Like they mask the skin and they peel it off, you know? And everybody wants to do that. Some look to TV talk shows for their guide. I don't need to mention anybody's name again. They look to TV talk shows for their guides. They change their lifestyles. Why? Because their guide's lifestyle is in that particular way. Some choose their friends as their guides. You know, the problem of choosing your friend as your guide is that your friend has good intentions but limited experience. So no matter how good his intentions are, 
because they are limited in their scope and their thinking and their experience, they can only give what they have. But the good news is that you and I, we have a guide, the super guide. His name is the Holy Spirit. Praise the name of the Lord. We have the Holy Spirit as a guide. And God, in, in addition to the guide, God has given us a, a tour book. God has given us a guidebook. And the guidebook, our guidebook is the Bible. So we have a guidebook and we have a guide. We have a guidebook and we have a guide. No wonder Jesus said, it is good for me to go so that the Holy Spirit can come. And, and, I, and I say, why would Jesus say, it is good for me to go? Why is, it, is the Holy Spirit better than Jesus? Why would Jesus say, I mean, Jesus is the best guide you can ever have. The apostles, they had Jesus. When they had any questions, they would go to Jesus. What does that mean? Jesus would tell them, fantastic guide. When they have tax problems, they would go to Jesus. We have tax issues. Jesus would just say, oh, catch that fish. They catch the fish. Your tax is in the mouth. I mean, amazing guide. They are stuck in a storm, and Jesus will speak to the storm, and the storm will be still. And how can this same Jesus, the most fantastic guide ever, one of them lost a brother. All he did was to call Jesus our guide. Jesus showed up and said to the, to the dead, Lazarus, comfort, and he that was dead came back to life. I mean, what is it like to have Jesus as your guide? That's the best thing that can ever happen to any man. Now, Jesus said himself that it is good for me to go so that another comforter can come, another guide can come. Another helper can come. So why is it better for us for Jesus to go, for the Holy Spirit to be with us? I mean, and the answer is pretty straightforward. And that is as powerful, as fantastic, as awesome, as great, as divine as Jesus is. Jesus was limited to being in a place at a time. So imagine there's a challenge now. We all have to go to Jerusalem. <laughs> we have to go to Jerusalem. Because Jesus lives in Jerusalem. We have to go to Jerusalem and say, uh, we have to queue and, and, and look for Jesus so that we can have an appointment, you know, and sit and wait for Jesus. And unfortunately, that's how some people treat men of God today. They leave the Holy Spirit and they take a journey so that they can stay on the queue for two hours to see a man of God. Jesus says, no, I don't even want to be like that. So why should we be like that? Why should we be like that? Something's wrong with that model. Absolutely wrong with that model. Jesus says, I, it is better, there's a better model. And that model is, I need to go and I need to send you a comforter. I need to send you a comforter. And that comforter will be with you. And it will be with you always. So the Holy Spirit can be in every place at every single time. We don't need to go and queue to see a prophet or to go and queue to see a man of God. Not even to go and queue to see Jesus himself. Jesus made himself irrelevant. He's saying, as it were, when it comes to stuff like that, that he, I, you don't need me. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. The beauty of the Holy Spirit is that Jesus can be in heaven with the Father and the Holy Spirit can be with me, can be with you, can be with you, can be with you, can be with you, can be with everybody. And as it were, we, God, Jesus, can do a video conference and, and talk to us from heaven and we will see visions. Jesus can do a conference call and, and, and speak to us and we will have communication. Praise the name of the Lord. 
in John 14, 16 to 17, John 14, 16 to 17, the word of God says, and this is Jesus speaking, he says, the Father will give you another helper, another helper, of the same kind, of the same quality, another, that's, that's the root word there, another helper, who will be with you for how long? Forever, forever. That helper is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it doesn't see or know him. But you know him. And because he lives with you and will be in you. I mean, for them, it will be in you. Because at the time, the Holy Spirit has not been released. For us, it is, he lives with you and he is in you. Praise the name of the Lord. So we have a guide. We have a life guide. We have a tall life guide in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, what makes the Holy Spirit more beautiful than every city guide is that most city guides were taught about the city. They live in the city. They were born in the city. They learned about the city. They experienced the city before they became experts of the city. The Holy Spirit made the city. He was the architect of the city. He was the constructor of the city. He was the one that laid the foundations. He was the one that, 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 that created you and I. He was the one that created the whole world. There's a path that the birds of the air does not know. The Holy Spirit knows that path. Praise the name of the Lord. So the question now is, so how does the Holy Spirit help me? How can he help me on Monday morning? That's the bottom line. So it's not just about, I have this Holy Spirit, you know, and, and all that. You know, some people say Holy Ghost. Some people say Holy Spirit. What's the difference between Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit? Let me tell you the story very quickly. So when the first English version of the Bible, the King James version of the Bible, was being translated, there were two teams, two teams of 50, about 50 each. So, um, and... Back then, the first team translated a part of the Bible and the other team translated another part of the Bible to English. One team chose the term ghost for the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. Another one chose spirit, Holy Spirit. That's why you see the KJV. When you are reading Holy Ghost, you know it's one, that team that translated Holy Ghost. When you are seeing Holy Spirit, you know that it's the other team that translated Holy Spirit. But they were translating the same word, pneuma, and that is pneuma, that's the, the word in, in, in the original, and that word just means breath. It means breath. It means air. Pneuma tires are tires that are filled with air. That means, it just means air. It means breath. So the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. So, so what are the ways that the Holy Spirit wants to help me? How does the Holy Spirit want to help you? How can the Holy Spirit help you and I on Monday morning? Mon tomorrow is Monday. You are going to go to work. How do you need, how is he going to help you? How can he help you? What, in what ways does he want to help you? So, so if you listen to the Holy Spirit, if you let him be your guide, the Holy Spirit will help you to know what you need to know. If I listen to the Holy Spirit and I let him be my guide, the Holy Spirit will help me to know what I need to know. 
there are a lot of things I don't need to know. I mean, there are a lot of things, that, there are a lot of things you don't need to know. Unfortunately, we worry ourselves with so many things we really don't need to know. But the things we need to know, the Holy Spirit will help me to know what I need to know. John 16, verse 13. John 16, 13. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, it will lead you into all truth. It will help me know what I need to know. And I've heard people say, oh, but pastor, I don't know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. Listen, if you're a child of God, you, the Holy Spirit speaks to you. You may not know yet. Today you will know. The Holy Spirit speaks to you. For some of us, even though we know, we still second guess ourselves. And I'm not sure. I'm not, today you will be surer. Of course, you can be surer. Has it happened to you that a verse just jumps out at you? And that verse just speaks to your situation. That is the Holy Spirit helping you to know what you need to know. I mean, that happens time and time again. Sometimes it is a situation that is about to confront you. You have not been in that situation, but you, maybe in your personal devotion or in church or as you were in your life group, as you were sharing scriptures, a particular scripture stood out for you and just started burning in your heart. Then all of a sudden, boom, you encounter a situation and that scripture comes up. And you know, oh, it was the Holy Spirit preparing me for this situation. I'll give you a, uh, a live example. I got, in fact, with leading of the Holy Spirit, I, I can give you tons and tons and tons of examples. But I'll give you one that applies to this. So, years ago, years ago, ah, uh, how long ago was this? I got saved in 95. So it's 95. Now, and I was preaching, telling people about Jesus, you know. So there was this, the best way I can describe it is an occultic gathering that I will wait for them to finish service. And when they finish service, I'll service or gathering, whatever they do, I'll wait for them outside and I'll begin to preach. I wasn't preaching to the old ones, I was preaching to their children, the ones in college, the ones that were my, I mean, like contemporaries, you know. And before long, the, all the children were getting saved, were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know. And, a band was forming, you know, <laughs> so there was a big problem. I was causing commotion. I didn't intend to, but that was what was going on. You know, I don't like trouble, but, you know, sometimes it happens. So, one day I was alone. I remember very clearly at the BQ, I used to stay in the BQ in, the, in the, my, my mom's house at the time, at K2. So, I was alone there, and I was worshipping. I mean, I, I was there, I can't remember how long. And the scripture kept burning in my heart. Numbers 23, 23. There is no enchantment against Jacob. Neither is there any divination against... I didn't know what it was for. I was newly saved. I mean, but it was so real to me. Only for the next day or a couple of days after, the head of the cult, if you will, got up and <laughs> tries to place a curse on me. And, hey, that word rose up. There is no enchantment against Jacob. Neither is there any, I mean, I have never seen that kind of confrontation before. Long story short, he destroyed himself with his own curse. Praise the name of the Lord. So, he lets me know 
what I need to know. He lets me know what I need to know. In Luke chapter 2, Luke 2, 26, the word of God says, it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit. It had been revealed to Simeon by who? By the Holy Spirit. Simeon, God had revealed to him that he was going to dedicate the Messiah. Imagine. Imagine. What a beautiful relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he was going to dedicate the Messiah. Meanwhile, they were waiting for the Messiah for hundreds of years. And God said to him, you are going to dedicate the Messiah. Would you believe that? Because <laughs> if the Holy Spirit said that to you, you know, it has been revealed to him. So, the Holy Spirit doesn't just help us know what we need to know. He helps us know what we need to know now. The Holy Spirit helps us know what we need to know when. Now. 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 So the first thing, that if I listen to the Holy Spirit and I let him be my guide, the Holy Spirit will help me know what I need to know, number one. Number two, the Holy Spirit will help me get where I need to go. The Holy Spirit will help me get where I need to go. Luke 2, 27, the same story about Simon, Simeon. He says, the Spirit led Simeon to go to the temple. So when it was time to go, the Holy Spirit said to Simeon, go to the temple. I mean, imagine the Holy Spirit saying to you, boom, go to Shagamu right now. How, what would you do? Would you go? Would you say, ah, Get the behind me, Satan. Shagam, okay. I can't have to go to Shagam. I mean, the Holy Spirit can tell us. I mean, of course, if, if, you, if you haven't worked with God, don't get me wrong, and you don't have a thriving relationship with God at that depth, God will tell you to do something that crazy. So, so you shouldn't, shouldn't be afraid of hearing from God. That, oh, can I tell me to do something crazy? No. But as you develop your relationship with God, it can actually tell you. I remember years ago, I've shared the story several times. I was in Bagada, and the Holy Spirit said to me, take your shoe, your only shoe, the one you wear on special Sundays that you reserve. That shoe, take it, go and sell it, and take it to Surululi and give this family. And I took my shoes, I got to Jolegba, I sold the shoes, I got to the family, I gave them the money, they were crying because they had been praying. They didn't know where they were going to get money. They had a new baby. And I mean, that was just mind-blowing. For me, I haven't recovered from it. I don't know how many decades after, I still have not recovered from it. Every time I think about it, I'm, I'm like, wow. Because back then, I was just saying, okay, if it's God, if I'm not sure, but I, 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 I take a lot of risks. So, I'm able to say, even if it's not God, I would have tried. That's how I am. I'd rather try and be told it could not be, cannot be done. They're not try and wait. They'd not be told it could have been done if, if only I tried. I, I can live with myself to try and not succeed, but I tried. Then to just sit down and it go better, it go better, and just wait. No, 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 no. So, it's, it will lead us to go where we need to go. Praise the name of the Lord. If I allow the Holy Spirit, it will lead me to go where I need to go. If I allow him to guide me in the detail, I won't make 
a lot of errors. And, and that's the same thing goes with everybody. If you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in the details, you wouldn't make a lot of errors. X, of course you are going to make some errors. I mean, standard, you are human. Then the Spirit told Philip, go and catch a ride with that chariot. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go, catch a ride with that chariot. <laughs> Imagine, the Holy Spirit had already teleported this guy from Jerusalem to Ethiopia. I just see yourself in Ethiopia. You are wondering, what's going on there? Of course, he knew. Then the Holy Spirit said, go and join yourself with that chariot. And he went and he joined himself with the chariot. And like we explained some weeks ago, that was how the Christianity came to Africa. Christianity didn't come to Africa from the West. Christianity came to Africa from Jerusalem. And the Ethiopian leader spread the gospel all around Africa. So I could, I could give you loads and loads of examples. In my personal life, <laughs> in, in the church, in God's favorite house, where the Holy Spirit gave very clear instructions. Now stop. Now go. Now tell them this amount. Once you tell them this amount, keep quiet. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable stuff. Many examples are coming to me. Let me just choose one by right, random. Boom. Okay, chosen one. Let me share the one with you. One years ago, we were coming from um, um, a night video. Myself, my wife, I was driving. My wife, you know, Pastor Kule and his wife, they were not married yet. They were sitting at the back. You know how it is when, I can't remember how many years we were married. Um, but we're young, I mean, younger, you know. And um, that we are now, and, you know, they were cutting, about to get married. The car was buzzing with gist. Gist was flying left, right, and center. You know, I was driving, and if you've, if you've been in any car I've driven, you know, I, I, I don't drive slowly, let me just say that. So, I mean, we're, the speed was blaring, not unreasonably, not crazily, but not slow. Anyway, as we got to the Third, um, the beginning of Third Milamri, where the toll gate used to be. Everybody was talking, everyone was gisting, you know, why they're using one gist to catch fire for another gist, you know, and all that. That was going on. And we got to the toll gate. The Holy Spirit said to me, shut up. Literally. Of course, I shut my mouth up. And we're going to see the relevance of this as we go on. The, everybody else was, I didn't even notice I kept quiet. You know how it is, you know. Somebody keeps quiet, because everybody is excited and talking. I kept quiet. I was driving. And by the time we got to Berger, not Berger, um, Ogudu, yeah. Just before we got to Ogudu, so from the target to Ogudu, at least 10 minutes of silence from me. Armed robbers were on the road. They had blocked the road. They had guns. I mean, I was shaking. They were robbing cars. And it was our turn. And the guy stood in front of me. They had blocked the road like this. You know how they blocked the road like that? Another guy with gun. And I was saying to the Lord, what do I do? Holy Spirit, what do I do? And he said to me, don't stop. 
someone is putting a gun at your head and saying, stop! And the Holy Spirit says, don't stop. Who will you obey? <laughs> I was shaking. I was shaking so much. You would think, when the Holy Spirit said to me, don't stop, you would think I would increase my speed. I couldn't even increase my speed. My legs were shaking. They were frozen. And the car was going. Maybe 40 kilometers per hour. Something crazy like that. Slow. And we passed by them, and they looked at us. They couldn't shoot. They couldn't stop us. We went past the first one. We went past the second one. We went past the other glass guys, and we went off. And we were not robbed. Praise the name of the Lord. Cars that came after us were robbed because we had friends that told us what happened to them. By the time we drove to my parents' lost place at Bagada, everybody just sat down. I couldn't even drive again. Okay, you know what? You know. What would you do when someone puts a gun at your head and says, stop, and the Holy Spirit says to you, go? What would you do? You should go. Even if he shoots you, you are going home. <laughs> well, that's a good place to be. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> so so the, the, the Spirit, if you bring back Acts 8, 29 again, the Spirit said to Philip, go catch a ride with that chariot. Go catch a ride with that chariot. You see, one thing we need to realize that it is the Lord that creates the wave. It is the Lord. We only ride the wave. In God's family house, we don't create the move of the Holy Spirit. We ride the move. And you know what there is? All we need to do at the vigils is to watch like the surfers, is to watch as we come. We worship the Lord. We are watching the wave. We are patient. As soon as we see the wave, what do we do? We jump on it and we ride the wave. That's all. That's all we do. He is the one that makes the waves. The problem I've seen with people's lives is that people try to make waves. We have businessmen that are trying to make waves. You are an entrepreneur. You are running your business. You are trying very hard to make waves. It's only God, no matter how unbelieving the businessman is, it's only God that can make waves. There are businessmen that are doing so well. They are unbelievers, but they know that there's a force that, that put them at the right place at the right time. There was a wave that, that came that they couldn't explain. So you know you're a believer. You have the advantage. Don't be in a hurry. Just calm down. He will make the wave for you. So God will always make the wave for you. So what do I do? What will happen to me if I let the Holy Spirit guide me? If I let him help me? Number one, it will help me know what I need to know. Number two, it will help me get where I need to get to. Number three, it will help me say what I need to say. It will help me say the right things. It will help me say the right things. You know, when you do life with people, you're, you're bound to have conflicts. And when you have conflicts, you know, it's always important to say the right things. If you're married, you're going to have conflicts. When I have conflicts with my wife, I always breathe and check. God, help me to say the right things. 
When you have conflict with your boss, with your colleagues, you need to learn to say the right, and it is the Holy Spirit that can help you. In Mark 12, 36, Mark 12, 36, the Word of God says, the Holy Spirit led David to say. He led David to say. How many times have you come to church, and you, you feel like, oh, it was like pastor was talking about me. It was like, oh, did he just read my email? I didn't read your email. The Holy Ghost did. Praise God. There was a time we were preaching, and a couple came to me, and they were like, Pastor, I mean, I mean, this is so, I mean, we, we, are, they, we have goose pimples right now. So well, what just happened? It says that we, we came to church, it was a midweek service, we were fighting over suya, and I've determined that I'm going to show this woman pepper. Then we came to church, and, and, you, and you said, even you, you are married here, you are fighting over suya. And they said, they looked at themselves, and they're like, how did he know? He's not as smart as the Holy Spirit. Praise the name of the Lord. Matthew 10, 19 to 20. Matthew 10, 19 to 20 says, don't worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. I've had a couple the husband said to me, if not that we had this, this um, discussion in the car on the way here, and we came into church together, there is no way on earth I would not have believed that my wife did not come to tell you, and you were preaching about us. He said, you were saying exactly what we were saying in the car. If we had had it yesterday night, I would have touched it, texted you. But we, were, we came into church you were preaching, and this was a, that is how the Holy Spirit operates. When we rely on him for direction, he helps us say the right things, what we need to say. So number one, he helps us know what we need to know. Number two, he helps us get where we need to go. Number three, he helps us. And number four, he helps us wait for God's perfect timing. You know, so many times people say, Pastor, God told me to do A and B and C, and it failed. Why did it fail? Why did it fail? Many times, it's a timing issue. You find that God has told you to do A. Did he, did he say you should do A now? He said you should do B. Did he say you should do B now? So when it comes to vision, God will start with what? But you have to sit with God to show you how. And then... When Galatians chapter 5, Galatians 5 5 says, We are led by the Spirit to wait in the confident hope of righteousness through faith. So we are led by the Spirit to wait. When you freak out over a delay, <laughs> it means you are not trusting God's timing. When you freak, if there's something you're trusting God for, you're freaking out right now, it means you're not trusting God's timing. The Holy Spirit, when we look to him for guidance and direction, he helps us to wait on God's perfect timing. Because God will always give his best to those that wait for him and leave the choice to him. God will always give his best. So, number five. Number five. Not only does he help me to know what I need to know, number two, he helps me to get to where I need to get to. Number three, he helps me to say the right things. Number four, he helps me to wait for God's perfect timing. And number five, he helps me resist the things I can't normally 
resist by myself. There could be temptations, there could be compulsions, there could be desires, there could be addictions. The Holy Spirit helps me resist what I can't resist by myself. Galatians chapter 5, Galatians 5, 17 and 18 says that the desires of, the self, of self-indulgence are always in opposition to the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are in opposition to self-indulgence, which keep you prevented from doing the things that you want to do. But when you are led by the spirit, you are not in bondage of the law. So what is God saying here? What is he saying here? What he's saying here simply is that the Holy Spirit's power is stronger than willpower. God is saying, your willpower will let you down. But the Holy Spirit's power is stronger. And let, let me make this clear. You will never become too big to be tempted. You will never become too big to struggle with compulsions or desires. You will never become too spiritual that you will not struggle. You can't. But whichever the struggle is, it could be anger. For some people, it is sex. For some people, it is drugs. For some people, it is money. We need to realize that attraction is not action. Temptation is not sin. Attraction is not sin. Action is. So the fact that there's an attraction doesn't mean you have to back it up with action. And the fact that there's an attraction doesn't mean God has condemned you. So the Holy Spirit helps me to resist the things I can't normally resist by myself. And number six, the Holy Spirit helps me to avoid dangers and mistakes. Psalm 16 verse 7, Psalm 16 verse 7 says, I praise the Lord because he guides me. And in the night, my conscience warns me. God guides me. Acts 21, 24, Acts 21, 24 says, the Holy Spirit warned Paul not to go to Jerusalem. So we've seen here ways the Holy Spirit wants to help you. Now we're going to look at the steps of being led by the Spirit. Now I'm going to rush, I'm going to rush through this. It's going to be um, super, super crash. But there's just so much, there's so much we need to understand. And it's all, if you look at it, what we are doing, it's, it's, it's fundamentals. They are totally indispensable. So how? What are the steps of being led by the Holy Spirit? The first thing is to pause and be quiet. Remember the story I shared? We were coming from the night vigil. Everybody was talking. And the Holy Spirit said to me, shh, keep quiet. Now, you can't hear God very well on the run. You can't hear God run up and down. You can, of course, but you hear God better when you are still. Psalm 37, verse 7. Be still and know that I am God. Let me put it down in plain English. Sit down and shut up. That's what God is saying. Just sit down and shut up. Just keep your mouth shut. Isaiah 30, 15 says, in quietness and in confidence will your strength be. But the Jews says, we will not. The God says, then you will have wars. In quietness and in confidence shall your strength be. So the first thing to be led is to pause and what? 
and be quiet. The second thing to be led is to humbly ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. The more humble you are, the more you are going to hear the Holy Spirit. The more humble you are, the more you are going to hear the Holy Spirit. Psalm 25, verse 9. God guides the humble. Psalm 27, verse 11. Teach me, Lord, what you want me to do and lead me down the right path. Ask in humility. And this is big. Number three, all of them are big. Big, big, big. Number three is be willing to do what he says even before he tells you. I mean, this is huge. This is huge. Be willing to do what God says even before he tells you what it is. John 7, 17. John 7, 17 says to us that whoever is willing to do what God wants and chooses it will know <laughs> if what I'm teaching comes from God. So he's saying whoever is willing to do what God wants and chooses it, the person will know. You will know in the future when you choose to do what God wants. You will know in the future when you choose to do what God wants. So be willing to do whatever God says even before he tells you to do it. The key thing is this. Can you say to God, when it comes to your finances, you're willing to do what he says even before he tells you to. Can you say to God, I am, I'm going to sign this check. You fill the amount. Can you do that? Can you do that? Can you say to God, okay, I'm going to church today. I'm going to sign this check before I leave the house. When I get to church, tell me the amount and I'll put it there. It is signed. Just tell me the amount I'm going to put it there. How much challenge you to do that? Can I do that? By the grace of God, I can do that. Can you do that? Can you do that? If, listen, if you can say to God in any area of your life, your finances, whatever area, I can sign the check in advance. I can sign a blank check. God, you put the amount. You'll be fine. Really, you'll be fine. Number four, look to God's word. Look to God's word. Steps to being led. Look to God's word. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a guide to me and lights up my path. Psalm 119, verse 133. I mean, we've been looking at light and all that. Guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by any evil. So after I have paused and I'm silent, I'm, I've asked humbly, I am willing to do whatever he says even before he tells me to do it. I look to God's word, then I should expect God's guidance by faith. I should expect God's guidance by faith. God does not listen to complaints. You know, many times we think when I complain, I complain, God will hear me. God doesn't listen to complaints. God only listens to faith. It is the only language that God hears is faith. God doesn't listen to complaints. The only language he hears is what? It's faith. It's faith. So you must believe and expect that God will guide you. So, you, you, I mean, someone has said to me, oh, Pastor, what if I sit down and I pause and I'm quiet? After a while, I'm scared because <laughs> it's as if I can hear myself breathe. And what if God doesn't say anything? You know what, I, what in my experience, what I, what I can share is this, that it's not every time you sit down and you're quiet that God always speaks, actually. 
Sometimes it doesn't. But what it does to you is that it puts your spirit in a place where you can receive from God. Even when you walk out of that place of quietness. And that's a lot of the time. I could sit down and be quiet for 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, sometimes one hour. I'm just sitting down. Maybe I have a scripture I'm meditating on. I'm just quiet. And it's as if there's something I'm trusting God to, for direction for. It's as if God has not said anything. But I believe that I expect his guidance. I believe that I will not lack his guidance. Even though I, I don't think he has said anything, at least that I have heard or understood. What do I do? Once, that, once I'm done, I get up. I believe that I'm fine. Many times as I step out of that prayer room and I step out of that prayer place, maybe I'm just walking down. Boo, 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 boo. It's as if there's a torrent of information coming. That I can, it's as if my spirit is down in a place where I'm downloading so much information. I need to rush and get a notebook or something. James 5, 6 says to us that if you want to know what God really wants you to do, ask him. Ask him. And he will gladly tell you, for he is always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. But be sure that you really expect him to tell you. Be sure that you really expect him to tell you. If you don't ask in faith, don't expect the Lord to give you a solid answer. <laughs> That's just preaches by itself. Number six. I mean, that's what I'll give you. I'll give you <coughs> six. <clears throat> Number six, wait for God's response. You know, we've talked about this. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a rush. You know, someone has said, oh, I'm waiting on God for direction concerning this business. God hasn't told me anything, but I'm going to go anyway. Oh, I've been trusting God to give this young man a response. He's asked me to marry him. I've prayed. I've not heard from God, but I'm going to marry him anyway. Hey, hey, hey. Don't go marry uh, Jugunu. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> you know. Oh, I pray. Oh, I'm going to go anyway. No, 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 no. Job 33, verse 14. Job 33, 14 says, God does speak. Sometimes one way, sometimes another. Even though people may not understand it. God does speak. Sometimes one way. Sometimes, you know, we are, today we didn't pay attention. We didn't really unpack the ways God speaks because we've done extensive teaching on the ways God speaks. Visions, um, um, dreams, audible voices, people, counsel, authority, and on and on and on and on. But if you wait, the direction will get clearer and clearer in the name of Jesus. So as you, as you go through the doors based on your value, choosing the right value, you need the right guide. As you tackle this decade, this is the decade of light. You need the right guide. And there are many of you here that you need to say to Jesus, come into my heart. I want to open the door of my heart to you. Come and be the guide of my destiny. Come and guide my life and destiny. And yet there are some of you that you have never given your life to Jesus. You need to make this call. Yet also some of you, you used to be with Jesus. You are not with him anymore. But you say, Pastor, can you pray with me? Yes, we want to pray with you. Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. 
you've uh, heard what has been said now, you want to establish a connection with God, let's just bow down our hearts. And uh, if you're here, you heard from one of the ushers, that's all you need to do. You're not coming out, you're not, uh, we're not planning to embarrass you or anything. Just raise up your hand wherever you are and receive a card. And once you do that, you, I mean, we'll pray with you and, and you'll be established. God, you need to do. And from today, your life will be different. Anybody there, you want to establish that connection with God, just raise up your hand wherever you are. Okay, Father, we just thank you. Thank you for the message. Thank you for all that we've heard again today. Lord, we are eternally, eternally and eternally grateful, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you have said. Thank you for all you're doing with him, in him and through him. Lord, we just thank you for his family. Thank you for the missions. Thank you for the work he is doing right now. Lord, we are just so grateful. Accept our thanks in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we commit to everyone here, Lord, into your hands. Let the words of today, Lord, that we have heard, let it, your name be glorified, O oh Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. Amen.